Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, we celebrate 25 years of God's faithfulness at Brookwood Church. In this short message, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will review some of Brookwood's history, as well as guide us into Brookwood's future. We're so thankful for everyone who's been a part of this church, whether you've been here for 25 years or if this is your first time listening. Please know that you are loved and appreciated. God bless. God is faithful. God is faithful. Have you discovered that to be true? Worship comes from that intimacy, that deep awareness that we have of the person of God and the faithfulness and Usually that's discovered in some painful, hard times. So if you're there now, I urge you to ask, what is God teaching you? Welcome to, to Brookwood's 25th anniversary. I want to use as our theme in this very brief message, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Do you know who wrote Hebrews? Give me, give me who you think. I don't think Paul. Doesn't feel like Paul as you read him. Some think Paul, more likely Barnabas. I think most likely Apollos. But anyway, this the writer of Hebrews wrote to encourage Jewish Christians in Rome to endure the persecution they were suffering. And and it was a warning not to get caught up and to remain faithful in the face of much false spiritual teaching and in the face of cruel oppression. This huge crowd of witnesses is referring to the names that are listed in the previous chapter, chapter 11, which we call the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament. And you can see it says, therefore. So what's stated in chapter 12 comes out of chapter 11. And many of these wonderful people are mentioned there. Noah and Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and others, Rahab's mentioned. Now, these Old Testament heroes witnessed to or demonstrated their faith by trusting God in difficult circumstances. They didn't all have spotless records either, but but through their difficulties and even through their own failures, they were able to cling to God, to hold on, to trust Him. And this verse also suggests that these faithful people may now be witnessing or viewing believers' lives like spectators watching an athletic contest. The New Testament doesn't really clarify that point for us. How many of you think that they're watching, that they can see from heaven? Let me see your hands if you think that. And perhaps, perhaps they are, but at the very least, these stories were written to motivate us to live out our faith. We're no different than Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. 
But you know what? There's a wonderful cloud of witnesses that have sprung right from this church as well. We've existed for 25 years, and so we have many witnesses in heaven as well. And they're, they are people who served God eagerly, consistently, sacrificially here at Brookwood. I just want to mention a few. Sandy Long Lindsay was our first administrative assistant. She was our second full-time employee after me. And if you knew Sandy, she was a tireless, resourceful woman who greatly aided our development in those earliest days. Now, we had a few other employees at that time. Joe Weehunt was here in music and Laura Camp with children, Roycey Wasser with preschoolers. And they worked diligently, but they were paid very, very small salaries. I think I gave Joe $20 the first Sunday because <laughs> I wanted him to keep coming. <laughs> Joe's mother, Christine Weehunt, volunteered as a leader in our preschools from the very first, from the beginning. Because, see, all of us understood it's up to us. With God's help and our effort, this church might survive. In those early days, Leanne just prayed and read Experiencing God, and we wondered whether we would survive. And, you know, you hear these pastors say, we're going to have thousands, and you know what? I didn't ever know that. I knew that God was faithful, and I would try to be faithful. And I said, Leanne, give me nine months. We can live for nine months. And if we don't make it, then I'll either find another ministry job or I'll go back to Georgia and practice law. Billy Garrett was another one of those who were, who's a witness today. And Billy ensured from the very beginning that all of our contributions were handled very carefully. Marge Adamson volunteered everywhere. My first office was a trailer that First Baptist Malden had graciously extended to me, and I had a lot of books in those days, more today, and she organized all of my books using the Dewey Decimal System, <laughs> which I never even knew how to use, but I wanted her to stay busy. And she volunteered a lot of places. I mean, she sang on the praise team a few Sundays, and that woman could not sing. If you're watching, I'm sorry, Marge, but you know the truth. Johnny Lindsay and Glenn Bailey were involved in whatever the church was doing, especially service projects in the community. Dee Smith located both of our building sites. You know, the, the previous one is occupied by Fellowship Church now, and he served on all of our building teams. Carlos Watson was a paid staff person in those, in those early days, and he roamed the halls of the community's hospitals and rendered pastoral care and love and support to members of our church family, and I think anybody else on the hall. And then more recently, very recently, Karn Bender. Karn Bender wanted to be sure everything was done decently and in order. And she always showed up at those budget question and answers. Sometimes there was only her dragging her husband 
feel there. But above all, Karn Bender prayed and prayed and prayed. And she would often come up afterward and she would catch me and she'd say, that angel was there. And she would see an angel from time to time appear in the services over on the side to my right. So she's gone. I hope some of you can see angels. We won't think you're crazy. These and many more, I won't try to name them all, but now reside in heaven. But they serve as witnesses to us because they, they, they heard a calling. They caught on. And they're, even today, they're, their legacy is motivating us to love God, to love people in this church, in this community, throughout the world. And they're beckoning us to follow that. Hebrews 12 continues. So because of them, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What's slowing you down? Are you serving? Are you giving financially? Is your life making a difference spiritually? If not, what's tripping you up? If it's some sin, take a moment right now. Confess it by the Spirit and ask God to make you whole and help you use your life. Remember sin, not on, remembering not only Christ, but the legacy that's left for us. If it's sin, it's time to leave it. We all have things that are tripping us up, don't I? Talk to the Lord about it, even now. So you can run with endurance the race that God has set before you do you know the race that God's called you to? He didn't call you to just show up and sit occasionally. He, he gave you a life and he's called you to use it to impact this community, this kingdom with an impact that lasts for all eternity. Sin trips us up. Selfishness slows us down. Let me tell you this. I'll just give you this. All service is inconvenient. Caring about other people's lives won't fit in your schedule. Giving away financial resources, you always have more than enough use for the money you have. But what are you investing in eternity? What race has God called you to and beckoned you to run, to live a life of faith, a life of service? In verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. See, Jesus is first in everything because, you see, Jesus' spirit calls us to faith. And it's his death that justifies us so that we can be made perfect. And it's his spirit that conforms us and crafts us and shapes us so we look more like Jesus. So it's Jesus first. It's Jesus in the middle. It's Jesus in the end. It's interesting. He even said he was the Alpha and Omega, didn't he? And in our lives, he's everything for us. 
And so we want to honor Christ in all we do. So we've learned to, to ask God what he wants, not wait for and to wait for his answer instead of following our own ideas. Humans can build churches with good ideas, with clever speaking, with good music. But God has to build the church that will last and reap eternal rewards. You know, in the early years, as Fenton said, we followed a model, the purpose-driven church model. It wasn't even called that in those days that Rick Warren f- formulated, a man I still love and admire, there at Saddleback Church in California. And you know, that model helped us greatly. It was kind of like putting training wheels on us because as Joe said, we didn't really know what we were doing. And when you start a church, you have everything to do and also everything to buy. We had $40,000 that first year. And that was use it any way you want. If you'd like a salary, you can have it. If you need any benefits, here it is. But if you have to buy a microphone, you better go get it. And so we bought everything. Imagine that. All the stuff you see around, it, it, we had nothing when we showed up. Just me and Leanne and two little girls. But you know what? I didn't know God still spoke. I believed God's word with all my heart, and I preached it as diligently as I could, but I didn't know God still spoke. And quite honestly, it was in a very difficult time that I started hearing God and beckoned others to, to let's listen together. And now we, we practice before we take a step. Uh, we practice hearing from God. And yet, let me tell you, God wants to speak to you. I'm not saying it's always easy to hear. Sometimes we have all kinds of wounds and fears and that, that clogs up our ears. But you persist. Persist. Leanne and Evan will pray for you at the Be Encouraged house and help you hear if you want. And we've practiced hearing and receiving direction. We, we wouldn't take, have taken this step to serve in India where without us hearing from God because it would have bankrupted our church. And so we put somewhere between eight and nine million dollars in India. And we're not through. You say, well, I haven't heard much from it. Well, we're sorting out some administrative things, but I'll give you a challenge again in the future. From the very beginning, our church has believed in the dignity of all people. Do you believe that? You know where it shows? It shows at stoplights on Woodruff Road. That's nervous laughter. It shows when a waitress completely messes up your order. It shows when someone takes credit for something you did. Do we believe in the dignity of all people, even when they're irritating to us, even when they don't seem to be doing their part? We have always believed in the dignity of all people and any, in any social standing, any financial status, because every person bears the image of God, though it may be covered up more deeply in some. Every person matters to him. I'm greatly encouraged that 
Brookwood's becoming more diverse, but we have a long way to go still. You say, well, it's hard to bring people to a big church. Well, let me tell you this. Big churches aren't by definition cold, and small churches aren't by definition warm. You know what, you know what determines the temperature in this church? The thermostat of your heart. Are you warm? Are you accepting? We've we focused on reaching unchurched people from the beginning. And that's why today we say don't try to talk people out of churches. I, I don't even understand churches that just try to take some from this church and that. That doesn't make any sense to me. Invite those who are in the highways and hedges, have nowhere. We started with people who'd never heard the gospel, and some of those exist today. You'll be surprised to find out. And some have given up on church, either because they were offended by something that happened in church or disappointed in themselves. Sometimes people destroy their own lives, whether it be addictions or divorce or whatever. They make bad decisions. But you know what? They still bear the image of God, and they needed somewhere to go. They needed somewhere and some people to help them repent and reform their lives. You know why we have no cross? Because if you've shamed yourself, the cross is intimidating. So we preach the cross. That tree used to stand over there by the interstate, down by 385. Sandy Bowers actually designed our logo from it. And so it just symbolizes our church. And we preach the cross. That's why we don't have a lot of icons. It's interesting, though, an ice storm broke that tree it was a very big, huge tree. And so now we have to set on a course looking forward, not looking back. The coffee and donuts, a huge man, a 300-pound man can hide behind a three-ounce cup of coffee. And you can pop those donut holes in your mouth and you don't have to speak if you're nervous. They're out there today. Well, why'd y'all quit them? Well, they cost 10 grand a year is why. <laughs> we grew so large when we moved here, we had to cut some overhead, but... Because we value people, we're helping them partner. We partner with purpose, which means not only do we help people through benevolence, but we aid them and to, to, to uh, practice those things that develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our benevolence is motivated by the gospel. Our service is motivated by the gospel. Our giving is motivated by the gospel. If we serve the homeless, if we rebuild a front porch, it's motivated by the gospel. And so we help people to th communicate with God, to hear him for themselves, to connect with other Christians. We need each other to grow and to care for others. Our hearts need to give. Our hearts need to take on the burden of someone who's a little worse off than you. Always. You know, to attract attention in those early days, Joe developed special musical theme days. I, Joe may be here, but his son was married yesterday. His son was born in the first year of our church. They had a wedding in their backyard last night. So, so we did country, and we did big band swing. We did jazz. We did bluegrass. We used to bring in the, swinging the singing tornadoes, and I used to sing with Arthur Goodjohn. And some of y'all said, well, how'd you know the words? I never knew a single word he was singing. I just made the same sounds. Why'd we do that crazy stuff? Because it offered our people, it focused our people on an opportunity to bring someone. 
And that's when we devised the contact cards, like the one for the marriage. Because the, the best salesperson is not an ad bought on TV. It's a satisfied customer who brings someone else to hear Christ. You know, and I've tried many different forms of communication to reach people. I used to tell jokes, lots of jokes. They were good jokes. They were theologically correct jokes. <laughs> we used to do skits. We used images throughout the message. We've used video clips from TV and movies. I used to come up with clever titles until I realized I had to explain what the title meant, and I couldn't get to We even did a game show one time, the Truly Wed Game. I, I've worn costumes on Sunday morning. One time I was dropped from the catwalk in full military dress. I was teaching the full armor of God. Well, why don't you do the crazy stuff anymore? God spoke to me one time. He said, your people know you, but do they know me? And I realized that some of all the foolishness I did obscured the message. Now, I'm not regretting that it, because uh, it attracted many people in the early days, but it was time for us to give a clearer focus on God's Word and to encourage spiritual worship, which is where we are today. The goal of everything we've ever done regardless of how crazy it seemed. And what we continue to do is to lead people into relationship with Jesus Christ. But a real relationship by faith. Look, I, you notice we don't try to get people to make instantaneous decisions because we want you to come to Christ in a way that lasts your entire lifetime, not based on any emotion or any certain pitch. And we have seen many, 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 many people saved. In the past 25 years, we've baptized 2,852 people. And more than half of them were adults because we've reached people, remember, who fell out of church or never went. But we, because we've been here so long, now we're baptizing more and more children. And today we baptize 10 adults and 20, and. 27 more children at 2 o'clock. I hope you'll consider being there today. Do you know how great God's love is for you? God's given you a calling to run a race. Do you know the path He's given you? Will you throw off the sin that ensnares? Will you throw off the selfishness that trips you up? And will you run that race with your eyes on Christ? He's called you to it. Counselors will be here at the front to talk to you, to pray with you. And they'll stay as long as you want. Those of you who are newcomers, I invite you back. We'll be briefer next week. Take a card. Begin today. Take one of these cards from the counters outside and invite somebody with you. That's, that's the legacy. Brookwood people find people that need Christ and they help bring him in. You can follow this legacy. Run your race. Father, we thank you how you've set a race before us and you enable us to run, but God, let us run with perseverance with our eyes on Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. 
Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. One of the ways that you can do that is by getting connected here at Brookwood. If you would like to know more about the many ways you can connect with other Christians here, or if you just have any questions about who we are, you can email us at connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call us at 864-688-8326. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.